Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on Letterman Row, available to you on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, all of your different podcasting platforms, web, blog, all viewing, it, wherever you want it, it's available. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is Spencer Holbrook. We are, again, talking Ohio State football, Ohio State football recruiting. Uh, Every midweek edition is pretty much going to be handled in this capacity. Hopefully, uh, you guys aren't too weirded out by the constantly changing uh, style. But I'd just rather sit and talk to Spencer in person as opposed to doing it over the telephone like we do on Sundays. But um, Spencer, obviously, an important couple days for Ohio State on the recruiting trail. Uh, the most important and, and biggest news would be that the Buckeyes went ahead and offered a second second quarterback in the class of 2020, Jaden Delora from Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, a player that uh, they've been watching for a while now. And, and Mike Yersich went out to visit last Friday. And uh, now you see a program that is is firmly committed to the idea of recruiting a second quarterback in this class and deciding to not put all their eggs in the C.J. Stroud basket. They're also deciding not to put all their eggs into the transfer portal basket like we might have thought they they could if they wanted to, if they struck out on C.J. Stroud. And I think one of the big things is Mike Yersich on in the biggest recruiting off week that they could possibly have took an entire day, flew to Hawaii, talked to this kid, and flew back. I mean, he offered him in person. If you wanted to call him and say something, that's a whole different story. But they're committed to flying to Hawaii and talking to somebody. That means there is some interest there. This isn't just lip service. This isn't just let's save face and offer another quarterback to push the envelope with C.J. Stroud. They went to Hawaii and talked to this kid, and that's a big tell for me. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, they visited C.J. Stroud during the first off week, and they can only go once in the evaluation period. So there there seems to be a, a pecking list uh, of who's – of where things stand, I guess, with Stroud and Delora. But as you said, this is not an offer uh, to Delora, which is made in solely to try to push the envelope with CJ Stroud. This is a kid that they like. I don't know if they would take a, a yes answer from him today, but the p- point is, and the reason you make that offer is because it doesn't matter because you know that, that Delora committed to Washington State is not going to say yes right away. He's going to take some time. He, he has a USC offer that he just received last week. I expect that Michigan will get involved there as well as they look for a quarterback as they already done with CJ Stroud. So you know you have a little bit of time. And the, the good thing with Delora is that there's a, a likelihood that he's actually going to wait until February to sign his letter of intent. So not only do you have uh, this ability to say, hey, we offered you earlier than pretty much everyone else, you also have time to, to really build a relationship if things fall apart with C.J. Stroud, but there's no relation to the the uh, the feelings on Stroud with the decision to offer Delora, they are completely separate. But you know, to the outside eye, it's going to look like, oh, well, they did this because they don't feel as good about Stroud. But that's just not the case. They have to get a second quarterback, and you can't sit there idly by while C.J. Stroud gets offers from everybody in the country and is planning visits all over the country, including another one to Ohio State. And then hope that uh, he's just going to be your guy because you you need to have a plan. I think it's one of those rare instances in recruiting where you can say, what does it mean for player X if they offer player Y? And it actually doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Most of the time, there's that trickle-down effect. What does it mean by them taking Marvin Harrison Jr. for the rest of the recruiting cycle uh, in 2021 for wide receiver? Well, it might mean somebody else is out. In this case, it doesn't mean anything. It just means they need a second quarterback, so they're offering two. Yeah, you got to have you got to have options. 
The Buckeyes obviously have been working on the C.J. Stroud recruitment for months. Ryan Day started that relationship with him back in the summer. And as I, as I said, Michigan's involved there now. He's going to take two trips to Georgia in the next month, C.J. Stroud will. He's heading back to Ohio State on December 14th. That's going to be the official visit. That's sort of a big one because the plan, as, as C.J. told us last week when we were visiting him in California, the plan is to sign on December 18th. And if he's at Ohio State the weekend of December 14th, then that sounds good for Ohio State. It means the Buckeyes are going to get the last shot uh, at uh, you know sitting down with him and his family uh, while Georgia and Oregon and Michigan and USC, who he visited for their game against Oregon last weekend. Not a good look. Not the ideal time to visit if you're USC. Obviously, they have uh, a coaching uh, decision to make. Uh, uh, a decision they're going to make, but uh, we'll talk about that in a, in a bit. But I just think it's interesting the timing because what people see is the offer means that that C.J. Stroud isn't coming to Ohio State, and I, there's just no no reason to think that. So if if that's what your natural inclination is, because it's easier to be negative, then that's that's where you're going to go. But C.J. Stroud isn't making a decision for another month. Jaden Delora isn't going to make a final decision for at least another month, maybe three. This is all about having ducks in a row so that when you have to get a second quarterback, you have options and not being forced on December 14th. If if C.J. Stroud decides I'm going to Georgia on the 18th of December, it's a lot harder to get involved with Jaden Delora then because at that point he's going to turn around and say, oh, well, you didn't want me a month and a half ago, when you, so why would, why do you want me now? I'm sticking with the Cougars. You it's know? like your second option to the prom. If that person watches you ask somebody the prom, they say no, and then they turn around right. and ask you, hey, you're not going to feel right. too great it's about totally it. It's totally different if you have them both in the room at the same time and say, <laughs> I want to go to prom with either of you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the best analogy. No, I mean, no, but in a way it is because if – it is different if you're asking somebody first and they say no, and then you're like, well, okay, you're also somewhat all right. Yeah, you're also a quarterback who could play at Ohio right. State or be a backup at Ohio State. So, so the the decision to offer him comes at an interesting time because everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks. But these offers couldn't be more separate. They couldn't be more. It's just, it's like you said, on December 14th, when C.J. Stroud's sitting in Ryan Day's newly renovated office and he sees all these nice bells and whistles in the facility and he says, I'm good. Right. I'm going to go to Georgia. They can fall back and say, okay, Jaden, C.J. said no. You're in if you want in. And you know this isn't just because. Right. We already offered no. you. We would have let you do this a month ago if, if you wanted. So I think that's the important part of this quarterback recruiting puzzle. But as Spencer alluded to, don't expect the Buckeyes to go to the transfer portal if they don't have to. And I'm not even saying out of hand that in the event that they signed Jack Miller and CJ Stroud, that they still wouldn't look for a, a fifth-year senior quarterback to, to fit the uh, the profile of the roster. They want four quarterbacks on scholarship. They still would only have three heading into next year. Um, I, I guess four. You have Gunnar Hoke and then two quarterbacks. So maybe they'd be good. But um, the point is the quarterback situation – is far from settled, but it is also far from being uh, a disaster right now. They've got a plan in place, and you can see that plan starting to unfold. So and There's also a clear path for Ryan Day to get back to the quarterback threshold that he wants, because I think that was a real concern at this time in the spring. I mean, <sighs> in the spring, because when you go into a season with only two or three quarterbacks and two quarterbacks that know the offense, yeah. really, 
That's a problem. Yeah. And Ryan Day talked about trying to build that quarterback room to where he wants it. And I think you're going to see it get to the level that he finally feels a little bit better about the future of the quarterback position. They were completely blindsided by Matthew Baldwin's decision to leave the program. And I, you know, if we're talking about Ohio State football, it's the one thing we constantly say this year, right? If Justin Fields gets hurt, things go totally different direction for Ohio State. They don't want to be in that position moving forward. Matthew Baldwin's decision to leave the program when he did put them in a real pickle. And so now it's about just getting, as Spencer said, back to back to level, essentially. So one thing that's interesting about C.J. Stroud putting a cap around the quarterback situation, his visit in December, is that there has been some talk about his good friend and five-star linebacker Justin Flo from Upland, California, who CJ and Rancho Cucamonga just knocked out of the uh, league championship game on Friday. Justin Flo making that visit with Stroud in December, and the Buckeyes are not looking for another linebacker in this class. So let's be clear. They're not looking for one. But if a player like Justin Flo, who's a top five player nationally, decides he wants to come visit Ohio State, they are certainly not going to tell him no. And it's most interesting that it seems like it's Stroud who is pushing for Flo to make that visit with him. Now, that could just be a quid pro quo because uh, Flo has been kind of helping or pushing for just our CJ Stroud to visit Georgia with him. But either way, if you have a quarterback who is uncommitted, but his good friend uh, is one of the top five linebackers in the country, and that quarterback is the one saying, hey, you should also check out this school, it's another thing in the positive column for Ohio State when it comes to the timing of C.J. Stroud's visit that I think you can sort of look at as an indicator of where he stands today. I think it's, I also think not only is it with Stroud, but so I thought, I had an, a uh, feeling that some of these five-star prospects might wait and see, what's Ryan Day going to do? What is this program going to look like under Ryan Day? And then I'll make a visit if I feel the need to. Yeah. And for him to just be friends with Stroud might be the cause of that or might be the just an, a secondary thing. You know, if, if, he, if he wanted to visit but wanted to see what Ryan Day had to offer first on the field, yeah. he could have waited and then say, okay, CJ, I will go on that visit with you. Yeah. Because I think it's interesting. You're not just, you're as a five-star linebacker and as a top 10 player in the country, you're not just going to take your last official visit on the weekend before signing day to a program and have no interest. In the middle of winter in Ohio. It's not like exactly. it's, not like it's a, a travel trip that's just for fun. Again, the Buckeyes aren't looking for a linebacker. They have Court Williams committed, who sure he can play the bullet. Uh, you can check out the Bermanology with with Court on Letterman Row uh, from earlier this week. Yes, they have Mitchell Melton, but I still think Melton is a guy who could potentially play with his hand in the dirt and maybe de- be be a defensive end. And then you have Cody Simon. So really, in my mind, there's one true linebacker committed in the class of 2020, and that's Cody Simon. I don't know that there's any plan for Mitchell Melton to be a defensive end, but in my mind, again, this is just me. When I watch his tape, I see that six foot four, 240 pound frame. That's how I, I see him. He has lost some weight. He's down to like 225 is what he was at when he came to the Ohio State game a few weeks ago. But I think that if things continue to, to look like they're heading in another direction with a player like Tyler Barron, who as things stabilize at Tennessee, is more likely to stay home and play for the uh, the volunteers where his father works, then all of a sudden there's these options that you might have to explore if you're Ohio State, and maybe it makes it easier to turn around and tell a kid like Justin Flo if he decides to make this visit that's being discussed, hey, we only have one linebacker in this class. 
your true Mike linebacker, Tough Borland and Baron Browning will both be gone after next year. This is sort of a, a plug and play situation for you. You have a young, energetic, dynamic linebacker coach in Al Washington. You are playing on one of the fastest uh, defenses in the country. You're playing in one of the best defenses in the country. Oh, also, one of your good friends who's from California could be here as well. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. So I think I, I wouldn't want Buckeye fans to get excited about this possibility, just the fact that it's being discussed, because Flo has talked about coming to visit Ohio State multiple times in the past. So has Noah Sewell, the linebacker in Utah, who's a five-star middle linebacker prospect, but he's never visited either. But it, that's been a, a combination of need and uh, opportunity. And right now, there hasn't been a need, but there may be an opportunity. And again, it's like John Robinson. Some players are so good that if they decide we want to visit, you say, sure, uh, we will fly you out here and, and give you that opportunity. And don't think Ohio State won't have a plan. Right. If, if, if a five-star kid like, like Justin Flo says, I want to come to Ohio in the middle of winter and see what you have to say, you're going to lay out every, you're going to pull every stop because this would just be the icing on the cake. Urban Meyer was always a closer right. and he would always pull out a, a diamond in the rough on the last weekend of the recruiting yeah, cycle. Yeah, we call it the urban surprise. And that no one knows about. Maybe this one's just been leaked. May, Maybe, may, yeah. you know, does Ryan Day have that same touch? We're going to find out in December, in the next month, and I'm excited that it's getting so close. Well, because yeah, I think it's a possibility. You think about a kid like that coming to visit and taking an official visit on the weekend as the Buckeyes are preparing to go play in the college football playoff. Potentially. Potentially. It, it adds a layer of excitement to that idea for him to realize that Ohio may be far away, but if you want to play in the college football playoff right now, there's six or seven programs that are legitimate contenders year in and year out, uh, and nobody outside of Alabama or Clemson who's more consistently involved in that conversation than Ohio State. So I think the interesting thing to watch with Flo is what happens at USC because I know that there's all this talk about him and Clemson, but I still think that he's a kid who would prefer to stay out West. But with the unrest around Clay Helton's job, nobody has any idea really what to do uh, when you're talking about the Trojans and their recruiting. So and this week, Willie Taggart was fired by Florida State, and we've seen a ton of questions uh, sent in my direction about Jalen Knighton and, and, and what the Buckeyes would do um, as far as re-engaging with uh, that f former Florida State commitment who reopened his recruitment on Monday. But what happens when USC decides to make this switch is incredibly important for Ohio State recruiting on the West Coast because, you know, they, they've dismissed the idea of the notion of Urban Meyer going to coach out there, but they're obviously going to be looking to make a splash. And, you know, we've, we've lobbied, uh, or lobbed the name James Franklin around on, in our private conversations. And I think he's a, a, a guy that makes a lot of sense for Hollywood. I would think so. Um, and it'll be very curious to see this momentum that's been gained by Ohio State on the West Coast. And again, Letterman Monroe was out there a week ago. We sat down with Clark Phillips and Court Williams and, and CJ Stroud and Bo Collins. All these guys that have uh, decided really they're not that interested in USC at all. Things are going to get different. And I, I think, and, and Court Williams told me that USC and Texas A&M are the only programs that are still recruiting him and trying to get him to flip from Ohio State. So there's all these pieces of the puzzle that are interesting. And I, 
Do you think that Florida State made the decision to move on from Willie Taggart when they did to try in some way to get a one-up on USC potentially when it comes to, because there's only a handful of names out there, right? Coaches that are, are worth um, really going after hardcore, uh, you know, with a lot of money and, and it, James Franklin is on that list. Do you think that there's any relation to those decisions? Possibly, but I also don't think we know what Florida State will do. I don't think anyone can, only, of course. Only because Bobby Bowden was the coach there from the mid-70s when college football was a completely different sport. They had Jimbo Fisher in-house to take over. He was the coach in waiting. Yeah. And he was still allowed to do that and be, have a coach in waiting just hanging out there. Then they hire Willie Taggart, and it's an unmitigated disaster. And so they have not really been able to hire a football coach since the mid-70s. That had success. So right. you don't know what Florida State's going to do. If I was Florida State, yes, you need to get a leg up on USC. If you want the biggest name you can possibly get, which is James Franklin, you have to get a head start on it. Yeah, I mean, they just paid $20 million, essentially, for a buyout of the entire staff at Florida State, right? They're cleaning house. And I don't know that there's any interest from James Franklin in leaving Penn State, and I, I want to be clear about that. There's, I don't want to start rumors or whatever, but I know that a guy like him is going to be a target for those schools because he has to be. But when you talk about James Franklin's choices, potentially, wouldn't you pick USC over Florida State? Every time you walk into a restaurant in Tallahassee or, college, or uh, State College, you are the number one guy in every place you go. You are the guy. If you go to a restaurant or anywhere in you in Los Angeles, you're probably the fifth most famous person there. The lifestyle of living in Los Angeles is not just sitting on Manhattan Beach when you right. have an off day. It's a weight off your back where you don't have to be seen as the. But mayor. doesn't USC need a star? But USC does need a star. But I'm saying on the coach's end, it, you're never the most important person in the room right. unless you're at a, a USC ball or gala or something. That's just the coach's aspect. But USC has to make a splash, and I think Florida State has to make a splash because Florida made a splash with Dan Mullen. Mm -hmm. Clemson made, ha, is splashing every year right. with Davo Sweeney. USC is falling behind Mario Cristobal. USC is following, falling behind, I would even say, Herm Edwards right. in the recruiting game. Both of those programs are in dire need of a star. USC just has to have one more because for USC to be relevant in Los Angeles, it has to be so much better than everything else. Florida State can be eight and four and still be the most relevant thing in town, and still be the best team in the ACC Coastal. That's true. I, but yeah, they both they both need splashes, and like you said, USC is that has the Coastal. To, I don't know my divisions. No, it is not actually. It's it's division the Atlantic. Math? I'm not good at math. We've talked about it's that. Division jibber jabber. It's it's all the division jibber jabber. So the reality is, USC, like Georgia was a few years ago when Kirby Smart took the job there, is an absolute sleeping giant in foot college football and they were awakened for a few years under under uh, uh pete when 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 old uh pete carroll was there and then they went back to sleep but they were asleep for a few years before that if they can find a coach there that is able to just embrace the hollywood life which what pete carroll did very well but also not cheat like a crazy bastard like pete carroll did <laughs> then I think that you have an opportunity to, to walk into a program and dominate college football or at least be 
elevated into that conversation of Ohio State, Georgia, USC, or, or sorry, Clemson, Alabama for the next decade or longer. Let's just put it this way. If Urban Meyer walked into Clay Helton's office right now and just put a name tag on on the yeah. on the desk, he would have a top 15 recruiting class instantly. In a week. In one week. Yeah. It would not matter. And so, so for USC... The home run is the most important thing. Florida State might be able to worry about fit. Yeah, Florida State, I think, needs like a a, a, a triple, you know, with, with maybe like a, a walk that happens after it, and all of a sudden you got runners on the corner with nobody out, and you're feeling pretty good about your inning. But, like, USC has to hit a home run. And I just think it's fascinating, and it's something I, I mentioned to, to somebody the other day. I don't remember who. If in recruiting – in, in college coaching, if you know the determination is going to happen eventually, it needs to happen immediately. And I, I'm fascinated by the fact that USC has not moved on from Clay Helton yet, especially now because they don't have an athletic director. And I assume as soon as they their athletic director hiring becomes official, then that news will follow because the new AD is sort of on a mandate, I guess, to come in and, and wipe things out. But it's just really weird and interesting to me to see how long they wait for that to happen. But anyway, let's talk about Florida State for a second because I, I want to dive into what uh, I talked about on Letterman Row earlier this week is Jalen Knighton. Uh, everyone is wondering, will the Buckeyes go after Jalen Knighton? Will the Buckeyes go after Jalen Knighton, the Deerfield Beach running back who had committed to Ohio State privately in the summer uh, and then ended up flipping his commitment to Florida State without really uh, telling anybody in Columbus. So the truth is, Jalen Knighton, as I wrote about in early September on Letterman Row, reached out to the Buckeyes then and wanted to try to see where things stood and, and if there was any interest. And there's been some uh, conversation between September and now, but there is not any real avenue for Jalen Knighton to end up in this Ohio State class, even if he visits for the Penn State game, which has been reported that he may. I just, it, it is not going to happen between Ohio State and Jalen Knighton. So I think people, uh, have to take the things that you read with a grain of salt because high school coaches, high school players are given an opportunity to sort of voice their take on things or put their opinion or their spin on things into the public uh, specter. And that doesn't mean anything if it's not a position that's corroborated and reciprocated by the staff that they're reaching out to. Ohio State doesn't get to play the underdog card very often. Right. But when you do something that makes Ohio State seem like an underdog, they're going to use it. And Jalen Knighton, for lack of better words, slapping Ohio State in the face and not telling them anything and just, okay, I'm going to Florida State now. Because the minute he was done with that visit, you saw Florida State recruiting sites right. and things going nuts. Before Ohio State even had a clue what was going on. And so he kind of abandoned Ohio State. And Ohio State now all of a sudden is like, oh, you you want back in? Well, yep. you know, you, you there's a bridge burnt. The and, recruiting uh, process reveals a lot about who these young men are and what type of uh, what type of people are around them as far as what they're encouraging them to do, how they're learning to handle their behavior. It's not always fail proof it's not like there's never kids who mess up that don't get back in good graces with with staffs or whatever but ultimately i think in some instances especially when you're recruiting the people and player caliber that ohio state is doing once you see that big red flag right 
Like sometimes it's hard to say, you know what, uh, we're over that. And I don't think Ohio State is holding a grudge or anything like that. So I don't want it to seem like they're actively anti-Jalen Knighton as a person or anything like that, because it's just not the case. But the, the fit that they thought that they had with him is not there. And again, you may see things about Jalen Knighton wanting to come visit. I'm sure he does. I'm sure a lot of kids want to come watch the Ohio State Penn State game. But that doesn't mean he's being recruited by Ohio State so much as it means that there's conversation. And there's a difference between recruiting conversation and re regular conversation. So that's what I want to say about that. Merv, do you have a recruiting? I was going to ask you. You don't even know that I was going to ask you either. Ooh. Do you have a recruiting list, the guys that are coming in for this Maryland game? Because I know the Penn State game is much bigger, but the Maryland game, is there a list of guys? Are there? No, not yet. I mean, the, the truth is, and this is one of those weird things, and I, fans are always complaining on Twitter and stuff right now about the noon game, right? The noon game, the big noon Fox, big noon game. In a lot of ways, I'm fine with noon games, and I'm, I'm happy that they happen because, obviously, for us covering them means our day is over a lot earlier. But there's no doubt that it impacts Ohio State's ability to get recruits on campus. Like Landon Jackson, the five-star defensive end from Texarkana, Texas, was supposed to be coming up this weekend for the Maryland game. He's not going to be. It's not because of the noon game, is from what I've been told. But you got to figure if it's a 7 o'clock game at night, maybe it makes it easier uh, for kids to get up. But the biggest name that's coming to visit is Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Dalton, Georgia, the Georgia Tech commitment. He is up there on the top of that list of running back possibilities for Ohio State, along with Mayan Williams. Um, and I think this is a really important. It's an unofficial visit, so it's an opportunity for the Buckeyes to to put a good foot forward for him and his family to get him back for an official visit. He's visited Alabama. He's got an offer from there. Florida, Georgia is uh, lurking around. LSU's offered. As long as Georgia doesn't offer and Gibbs decides he wants to go somewhere other than Georgia Tech, which I think that there's actually a better than not chance that he does stay with Georgia Tech because he's kind of a homebody, likes to stay close. <clears throat> but again, when you want to talk about going to a place where you can win championships, he may have to make a decision that puts him outside of his comfort zone. I don't think Alabama's pushing for him right now, despite the fact that they offered. They do have two commitments already from running backs. They're still chasing Zach Evans, the number one ranked running back in the country. I think that it's an opportunity for Ohio State to make a real move. And so that's the one visit that I think is the most important. I know that Jackson Smith and Jigba will make his official visit to Ohio State this weekend. So he'll be, he'll be back in town for the third game this year. Um, but there isn't any sort of major recruiting thing happening until Penn State. So, um, just the real story is whether or not Gibbs makes it up to campus or not. All right. That, That's better that. that I ask than, than to uh, not tell the people who's going to be here. Tell the people what they want, Spencer. Um, I want you to subscribe to Letterman Row on YouTube. I want you to hit that little bell that's in the corner. I, which side is it? I, think I don't know what corner I think it's over it's there. Um, hit the bell over there, and you know that'll alert you when we got new content on the YouTubes. Make sure you uh, rate us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeart, Podcasts. What other things? I don't are we? know. We don't You're know. You're on your own here. Um, but uh, that will take care of today's episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on Letterman Row. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. And we will talk to you again in a few days. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you next time.